0: بسم الله، بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم، الحمد لله رب العالمين، صلى الله عليه وسلم على سيرنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم نوين التعلم والتعليم والتذكر والتذكير والنفع والانتفاع والإفادة والاستفادة والحثار التمسك بكتاب الله وسنة رسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم والدعاء للهدى والدلالة عن الخير ابتغاء مرضات الله ووجهه وقربه والثوابه اللهم افتح علينا بحكمتك وانشر علينا برحمتك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا علمو علمنا من علمك ما ترضى به عنا ولا تأخذنا بما تعلمه مننا يا حليم خلقنا بخلق الحلم وحققنا بحقائق العلم سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العلم الحكيم وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم Bismillah. So we are in the chapter on uh, prerequisites for enjoining good and forbidding evil. Prerequisites for enjoining good and forbidding evil in the book of Imam Dawud Walid towards sacred activism. We covered the first section on checking intentions and summoning moral courage. And now we are on acquiring knowledge of good and evil. Acquiring knowledge. Of good and evil Bismillah The author says the following May Allah preserve him and give us And him benefit from his knowledge In this life and the next, ameen As there are indispensable matters Of creed that Muslims are obligated To believe in, knowing what matters fall Under general good, al-ma'roof And evil, al-munkar Are necessary before being able To enjoin the former and forbid The latter Um why is he mentioning this as an issue of creed? It's important Because uh, generally what we're talking about In terms of commanding good or forbidding evil Are not issues of theology or creed They're generally issues of fiqh So why is he mentioning that here? I would say probably because Although the particular al- particular issues of fiqh Are matters of fiqh The idea that we know uh, guidance that we have guidance from God and we are uh, called upon to follow the guidance that God has given us that idea is an idea that is a matter of theology so whereas the particular issues themselves uh, might be matters of fiqh the whole of it is a matter of theology because you know, we have to believe uh, that we have guidance from God, that's a matter of you know believing in the Quran, believing in the Prophet and so on Al-Ghazali, may Allah have mercy on him, stated that enjoining good and forbidding evil are important, since Allah sends prophets to do so to bring about the common good in societies. Nevertheless, they receive knowledge from their Lord as to what was permissible and just as well uh, as what was impermissible and just. Okay, what was permissible and just as well as what was impermissible and, ju- and unjust. Pertaining to this, enjoining good contains those matters that are mandatory and those which are recommended. Even with good intentions, lack of sound knowledge based in the Qur'an and Sunnah can lead promoters of social justice to be as one tradition, uh, which is correct in meaning states. How will you be when you see good as evil and evil as good? Um, as Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib wa has said in conjunction to this forecast, ignorance corrupts everything. Ignorance corrupts everything. So the point is here is that um, even if we have good intentions, if we don't have knowledge of the religious teachings, how are we to command what is good and forbid what is evil? How are we to speak of justice and injustice? What does that even mean? And um, you know the issue here is basically that if Allah commands towards something, then it's just. And if He prohibits it, then it's unjust. We may recognize the reality of that We may understand the wisdom in that Based on our own experiences or efforts Or we may not That doesn't change the reality of it Which is that It is still a matter of justice and injustice What Allah commands us to do Or prohibits us from doing It's good or it's bad based on that So Let's just make it up as we go The seeking of sacred knowledge is a form of worship and considered a religious obligation upon every Muslim. A shafii held the opinion that obtaining such knowledge is more virtuous than performing supererogatory prayers, such as Tarawih prayers uh, during Ramadan. Think about that. Seeking knowledge better than Tarawih. Some of the other Imams held this position as well. Every Muslim who enjoins good and forbids evil Must take the time to learn Let me uh, make this so you can talk to everyone Any knowledge? No This is religious knowledge Religious knowledge Uh, Sacred knowledge To use that term it's not sacred because of necessary It's particular conclusion But sacred because of its source Which is the Quran and the sunnah of the Prophet uh, How do we explain the concept of something being prohibited to be unjust For example, pork is haram But how is it unjust Well um, Let me be more clear To uphold the teachings of Islam is to uphold a way of justice in the world, Uh, a way that causes balance, and a way that seeks the overall good of as many people as possible. Uh, Certain things like pork, how do we, uh, it's not necessarily that it would be, to, to, to infringe upon the rule of God would be an injustice. The particular prohibition of pork we could say that it's ugly rather than it being unjust how can we explain it i don't actually um i don't like to get into the explaining game myself personally um i know people really like that and they really think like you know we should know the wisdom behind everything and we have to teach our children to think and so on and so forth this is not the issue uh, we can think very uh deeply Especially in areas of, um, um, like, why would we trust it? Why would we take the position, you know? Why, why do we believe in the Qur'an? Just think about it all, all that we want. Think about it. Come up to the conclusion. Debate it. Um, study the details. Figure out why I believe in the Qur'an. But once I believe in the Qur'an, I don't have to understand the reasoning behind everything in the Qur'an. It's in the Quran is sufficient If someone wants to argue about the particular issue Forget the particular issue Let's go back to whether or not you believe in the Quran itself If you don't believe in the Quran it doesn't matter We don't need to talk about all of these other things Uh, But if the person believes in the Quran Then you believe in the Quran Um, So I don't know how we would explain that Uh, And again it's maybe better to word it as If Allah tells us not to do something there is some sort of Qubh in it There's some sort of Ugliness in it And if he tells us To do something There's some sort of husn in it There's a beauty in it Or a goodness in it And to betray The guidance of God And earth Is an act of injustice So it's a little bit Different than what I said initially uh, Can you repeat the statement Ignorance Corrupts every Who made the statements uh, Ignorance corrupts everything Ignorance corrupts everything. And there's a statement of Ali ibn Abi Talib. Ali ibn Abi Talib. Okay. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. And to every Muslim who enjoins good and forbids evil must take the time to learn not only the necessities of the religion, but also endeavor to take some basic lessons in the foundations of Islamic jurisprudence. In fact every muslim in whatever worldly endeavor that he she is involved in should strive to be a scholar in that field, not just from a secular scientific view, but from the perspective of Islamic theology and law. These lessons for those who promote social justice, justice should be taken from qualified scholars whom are either accredited teachers or, ha, or ha, who have been vouched for by Islamic scholars with traditional learning, or those teachers who can provide their qualifications not just simply listening to popular speakers invited to speak at gatherings and or have Facebook and YouTube followings. That's, believe me, that's not an attack on anyone. That's just the truth. Actually, I don't know if he's attacking anyone because I don't know what his intention was, but that's true nonetheless as a general point. Learning American history and being aware of the social political environment. Okay, so the one that we just covered is having some knowledge. Hmm... MashaAllah there's so many things written now That with some good uh, help And some effort a person can attain a level of learning Around the issues that are of interest to them And that they are involved in So that should be possible Inshallah Learning American history and being aware of the social political environment uh, One second please Learning American history and being aware of the social-political environment. It is equally important for activists and Islamic scholars to be acquainted with American history, its governmental system, and the Moors and folk ways within localities. Numerous layers, numerous layers there, right? American history, its governmental system, and the Moors and folk ways within localities. I mean, to recognize that America is very diverse. And uh, this is something we have to remind ourselves regularly. I'm starting to feel like uh, I haven't tried. It's been too long since I traveled, you know, my wife and I, we used to travel more and speak in different communities and places when um, when we only had one child and then the second child came and things got harder and ups and downs and so on and so forth. But and then, of course, the pandemic came, so there's no travel. But one of the good things about traveling to other communities and towns and cities and stuff was that you get to see different places. And you get to talk to people and you get a feel for like the way that they do things, the way that they think about things, how they engage with ideas, the nature of the people, the way they talk, the way they engage. And all of that is really important because we live over here in SoCal and we get very um, kind of like we live in our little bubble. And we forget that there's so much other, like there's other ways of thinking and doing things that are not Southern California. So, uh, even within America, there's a lot of diversity. As persons who are supposed to be rooted in the spiritual principle of empathy, it is incumbent upon activists to learn about the issues that affect other communities as well as American Muslims whose historical or family connections which came before this current era. Um, This should be done to better educate stances and positions. With the intent of not doing harm to others As well as avoiding repeating missteps And learning from the past So the idea here is that We have to take time to understand one another Even again in the American Muslim community So uh, That takes work That takes work We don't go into a random community That we're not really part of And Just like get busy Without really understanding what's going on Uh, I feel that we have been fortunate in some level to deal largely with people whose demographic is very similar to ours, maybe children of immigrants, converts, um, people who are going to college, professionals, so this is like the world that we're accustomed to, that doesn't mean it's better or worse than anything else, the point is just that's what we're used to. But if I was to like go and become an imam in the inner city, I can't just have opinions right away on everything because I don't understand. Or if I was to go become an imam in like a largely Somali community or a largely Arab community or whatever it might be, then it takes time. It takes time to acclimate and to understand before we start providing solutions. We don't want to repeat uh, American exceptionalism as a as a personal thing, you know. Like I'm gonna go in wherever I can and I'm I'm gonna be the cowboy who wins the day. No, you're going to go and serve and listen and understand and then after some time take some choices and try to help in whatever way that you can. Right? We don't wanna force ourselves on things. In Islamic jurisprudence, especially I was actually thinking about an example of me doing this when I was in college that was really qabih very ugly example, so I'm not going to go into it. But basically, you know, it it falls into this category of what what we're talking about right now. Like, understand the people before you try to help them, and um, nobody likes to be patronized. Nobody likes to be treated like they're dumb or they're insufficient or incapable or whatever else it might be. In Islamic jurisprudence, especially in the Hanafi and Maliki schools of law, the concepts of custom, adat, and customary usage are being linguistically related to al-ma'roof are sources for jurists to focus uh, to factor in while making rulings god I'm reading so funny today as laymen should not give legal opinions fatawa this principle of being aware of the ways of the people of any location is a crucial underpinning in how to approach persons and issues within the activist world have to understand the people have to understand the people that you're working with that you're engaging with if you don't <clears throat> yeah, if you don't, you have to be very careful. As you might miss the mark thinking that you're hitting it. Given that, much, given that much of the history Americans are taught in public schools is whitewashed or inaccurate and that implicit bias colors how different communities are viewed, it is imperative to go into communities to learn about their history from their experts and elders instead of merely reading books. Absolutely. Absolutely. For instance, going to indigenous tribes or First Nations to learn about their history and contemporary struggles would be much more educational and nuanced and would better inform American Muslims of all ethnicities about how our community fits into the broader history of racial justice in the USA. So one of the complaints that I often feel for social justice activists now, oftentimes, it's not I shouldn't say that. Let me reword this. When we go to college, we go to college to study things. And you, a lot of times people get uh, caught, you know, not caught up, but involved in this social justice type stuff when they're in college. And so what they end up doing is, so there's studying and there's social justice, which is supposed to be about the actual issues of people. And rather than going to the people and dealing with the people and actually helping them, all we're really doing is just studying Social justice issues So yeah That's cool Like Alhamdulillah You studied it You have some awareness Of the issue Whatever But we don't have Any actual real On the ground Experience Of the issues That we are so Passionately Speaking about And um, That seems to be One of the things That I think is Notable about Linda Sarsour Allah preserve her Is that she seems to be In the thick of it like really on the ground, in the issues, meeting the people, dealing with them, so on. Uh, and that's important. That's, that's, um, that's good. That's, you know, actual activism versus armchair activism. Or uh, armchair scholarship. All of them, you know, there's a, similar, there's a lot of things that are similar. We want to actually deal with the people. Verifying facts before acting. Verifying facts before acting facts. Here is in quotes. Verification of facts at hand is extremely important before acting on particular issues. What may appear to be a just cause to advocate on behalf of on the surface may not be the reality of the situation. Also, aggrieved persons and organizations may not tell the entire story when soliciting support for their causes. This is also really important. I've seen issues on college campuses around this. Don't ask me to give you examples. I can't remember them right now. But around like getting involved in things and not understanding the full picture. So there's probably oftentimes more detail than what it seems like. And that should be considered. And we should try to get as much information as we can before we come to a conclusion or take a position or whatever. Doing proper research means not acting based upon haste, nor quickly signing on to others' causes. Allah Almighty says... Ya أَيُّهَا amanu آمَنُوا إِذَا جَاءَكُمْ فَاسِقُمْ بِنَبَئٍ فَتَبَيَّنُوا أَن تُصِيبُوا قَوْمًا بِجَهَالَةٍ فَتُصْبِحُوا عَلَى مَا فَعَلْتُمْ نَادِمِينَ O you who believe, if an untrustworthy person comes to you with information, verify it. And if you do not do so, you will afflict, you will, you will oppress basically another people out of your own ignorance, and then you'll feel guilty afterwards. You feel regretful afterwards. So verify the information in the beginning. Really important verse. This is verse number six. I want to say, yeah, six of Surah al-Hujurat. Hujurat is chapter forty-nine, verse six. Surah al-Hujurat is very important. It has a lot of uh, essential etiquettes adab. Okay, verifying facts. So, and then next one is taking consultation before acting. Taking consultation before acting. Before taking major action on issues, activists should also be involved in mutual consultation, shura, with others. Moreover, consultation and discussion should be wide-ranging. Consult with affected people before speaking or acting on positions which affect them. Consult with persons of knowledge and elders to ensure religious fidelity and the dignity of the community are not unduly violated by actions. Also consult with those who may agree But also sincere persons who may disagree All of these categories old, Elder people, people of knowledge People who agree, people who disagree um, All of that will help to make a better decision Allah says And those who answered their Lord Establish prayer Who take mutual consultation among themselves And who spend out of what we have given them in sustenance So Allah is mentioning these qualities Qualities that are praiseworthy And one of them is that they take consultation in their affairs Hassan Al-Basri radiyallahu ta'ala anhu said people do not ever take mutual consultation among themselves except that Allah guides them to what is more virtuous that when we take the shura Allah guides us to that which is more virtuous and better so there's a benefit in consultation there's a benefit in speaking to one another um and not having an echo chamber when you do that not having uh, trying to avoid groupthink when we do that and um benefiting from that mutual consultation. Taking consultation and being receptive to it brings more success than foregoing it or limiting it to one's narrow echo chamber. Alhamdulillah. And of course, the one who only takes their own self as an advisor has taken consultation from a fool. Thus, a culture of seeking consultation and not getting trapped into groupthink should be encouraged among... Activist. Should be encouraged among activists Okay So let me repeat these now uh, Let me repeat these uh, Here we have Prerequisites for enjoining good and forbidding evil Number one was checking intentions Checking intentions Number two was summoning moral courage Actually I want to number these in my book too Number one is checking intentions. Number two is summoning moral courage. Number three is acquiring knowledge of good and evil. Number four is learning American history and being aware of the social political environment. Number five is verifying facts before acting. And number six is taking consultation before acting. So these are good. These are good. These are golden. This should be made into a flyer. Hint, hint, MSA West people. You guys have all the great resources and the talent. And, um, you know, like a nice little infographic with the six points of prerequisites. Would be really nice. Um, then you know you can use that, share it with the college, share it with the MSAs or something. Actually, this whole book could be made probably into like a really simple infographic, like the major points. All right, etiquettes of enjoying good and forbidding evil. This could be also. It's own uh, section Etiquettes of enjoining good And forbidding evil Bismillah No questions so far? No questions, alright Is there any more of that? That oh, was like Turkish coffee It was so off the hook We need to the space back We need it back. Inshallah. As with everything in the Islamic faith, there are etiquettes, adab, involved with enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. As important as the substance of what Muslims advocate for and against is, the form in which such is endeavored also has significant value. In other words, the ends cannot justify the means. The famous saying of Malcolm X, may Allah have mercy upon him, by any means necessary, should be translated today as... By any means that are lawful within Islam And adheres to the prophetic example of Prophet Muhammad So this is a this is a foundational issue You see this one a lot It's like people get so passionate about what they're advocating for That they throw out all of the etiquettes and so on of how to do so And they do it because like You know everyone just uses adab in order to tone police and all this kind of stuff No, we use adab because If we go back to the beginning, how do we know what is right and wrong? How do we know what is good and evil? How do we know what is justice and injustice? Who is the primary example of what that looks like? Is the Prophet ﷺ. And so it's not just that we're dealing with a particular issue of injustice. It's that we are dealing with trying to bring the way of prophecy, the prophetic way, into life and if we're advocating for this particular issue but in doing so we, mi- we lose the essence of the way of the prophets then we lost something major we lost something major not something minor we lost actually a really serious issue because what is the end game? is the end game just to right that particular wrong? or is the end game to realize that that particular wrong is a manifestation of a bigger issue? And that is that the way of the Prophets is being neglected So I'm going to take care of this issue But at the same time I'm going to do it in a way that also uh, Calls to and Doesn't uh, negate the way of the Prophets I hope that makes sense Number one, holding oneself accountable Holding oneself accountable This is again in the etiquette or the adab Of this activism Mm, This is going to be interesting. There's only two here, actually. So, we'll just go through them. This could be expanded upon. Number one, holding oneself accountable. Sacred activism contains within its essence the need for striving to embody the just principles which are advocated for and or organized around. So, it's not just the issue, it's the need to embody the issue for the person themselves. To embody the issue for the person themselves. For instance, those who are engaged in countering Islamophobia or racial animus against non-white folks must be diligent in holding themselves accountable that they are not engaged in forms of ethnic or nationalistic bigotry. Allah speaks to this issue by posing a rhetorical question. Do you enjoin people to piety but forget it for yourselves, yet you recite the book? Do you not have intelligence? Do you not have intelligence? What is wrong with you? Don't you realize what you're doing? It is narrated that Zayd ibn Aslam May Allah's mercy be upon him A second generation scholar Prayed before reading this ayah We seek refuge with Allah That we enjoin righteousness for people Yet we forget it for ourselves So he used to make this dua We seek refuge in doing this And then he would recite the verse Allah also stated O you who believe Do not say what you do not do Great in hatred in the sight of Allah That you say what you do not do So don't say things that you don't do Now One of the issues that comes up here Is people will say Well I'm not quite there yet I'm still working on it Whatever does this count Like You can The issue here is that If someone is calling towards something That they aren't even trying to do They they might have like They might be struggling with it Maybe they're Struggling with praying on time But they're trying to pray on time And so they encourage other people to pray on time Or they're struggling against racism but they themselves realize that they have like a little bit of bias that's inherent in them and they're trying to work on that. That's fine. They don't have to have it completely eliminated as long as they recognize that and they're trying to do something about it. Um, And so on. I hope that makes sense. Pledging to be with causes while in fact working against them is in fact a sign of hypocrisy. So we pledge to be part of it but we're not really part of it. One of the things that this kind of, like, this is going to be really harsh. Should I I say it? Let me say it this way. One of the things that we tried to do with the Majlis was that our goal was um, that that year that we were open The idea was that we were going to start these regular classes We are beginning to teach people begin begin to bring people together Build a community around these ideas that we're talking about And then from there we can start to build into other things And that if anyone wants to be part of the stuff that we're doing Their way to do that is to attend So there's Monday class, there's Tuesday class There's Thursday class, there's Sunday class You don't have to attend all of them but pick something and be regular with it And if you can pick something and be regular with it Then maybe after like three months, four months, five months, six months We can talk about your involvement or your engagement or whatever Some people are fast-tracked because of like other reasons But um, the general principle was You have to sit and listen first One of the things that we see very commonly in Muslim community spaces Is that people get really passionate And they just want to do something And if they're told, no, you can't do that. Like, I need to know you a little bit better. We need to talk. We need to engage certain things. Like, we need to make sure we're on the same page here. Then they get upset. Why are you putting up barriers and this and that? And next thing you know, you have a bunch of people running a community that have no idea what they're doing. Like, they have no clue what they are doing. To the extent that they could, for example, hypothetically, uh, be, be running a masjid and refer to God as the man upstairs. And this is not... A, um, an attack on any individual that might do that That is just to recognize that like That is extremely theologically problematic And really basic in Muslim thought That we don't refer to God as the man upstairs It's just like totally off But you know, you have people who mean well They mean well, but you go back to the social justice issue what's the prerequisite is acquiring knowledge of good and evil and um, building on some sort of foundation so, you know, is that uh, pledging to be with causes while in fact working against them so people are uh, supposedly about the masjid or about the community or about the Muslims or whatever it might be but they have almost no understanding of Islam and they have no relationship with any person of learning this is, this should be like I, this is not about me. Uh, this is a general rule that if you were alive in the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you would take your understanding of Islam from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. If you are alive in the generations after the Prophet sallallahu will wa sallam, you take your understanding from the generations of scholars and people of knowledge that come after the Prophet sallallahu will wa sallam. Because he said, wa وَرَثَتُوا anbiya That the scholars, the true scholars, are the inheritors of the Prophets. So, if I care about Islam, and I care about the community, I should have some sort of engagement with understanding Islam. And mentorship and being, you know Ideally not just one person But at least somebody that I can go to And I can talk to them And I can run issues by them And I can check my understanding Because if my understanding is not right Then this thing that I'm supposedly trying to do For the community is actually going to hurt the community And you see this all the time, right? And of course part of it is like Similar to the news Like how come you guys don't ever condemn anything It's like well how come you never publish it how come you never broadcast it? How about that? Why don't you ask that question to yourself instead? Um, so sometimes that's the issue, is that people who make the choices of who's going to represent us oftentimes choose people who don't represent us, which is obviously a problem. But, um, you know, we have to make sure that our claim has some sort of backing. That I claim that I'm doing it for the community, I claim that I'm doing it for the Muslims, or whatever it might be. What's your evidence for that claim? at the same time no Muslims involved in any endeavor neither today nor in the future except for the return of Prophet Isa who are who are protected from error so there's a word missing here but anyways uh, the struggle to keep intentions pure and to embody the values which are being advocated for does not mean that mistakes will not be made upon the way, nor does it substitute for the need to grow spiritually and intellectually. That's very important also. Nobody's infallible still. Nobody's infallible other than Sayyidina Isa a.s. when he returns. Otherwise, we're going to make mistakes, and we have to grow, and we have to help each other to do that. Anas ibn Malik stated that the companions asked, O Messenger of Allah, do we not enjoin the good until... We know all of it, nor forbid the evil until we stay away from all of it. He, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, replied, Of course not. Enjoin the good even if you are not doing all of it, and forbid the evil even if you do not stay away from all of it. So this is, uh, as I mentioned. The aspiration is to learn the difference between good and evil, as discussed in the previous chapter. Then implement upon oneself, even if there are occasions in which implementation falls short. Sorry, while I was reading, I was thinking about a question that someone asked me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we make mistakes. I was thinking about a question that someone asked me, and then I was thinking about... This all happened while I was just reading those couple sentences. I was thinking about where I could find the answer to it, and then I thought about a couple of different books, and I was thinking about where they are. Are they in the house? Are they not in the house? Were they in these boxes that just got packed and put behind me? And then I realized that the one book that I would probably need the most... Was not in the boxes that I unpacked And therefore it's not behind me Nor is it in the bookshelf that's inside of the house So that means that it's in the majlis library Which is Somewhat of a drive from here So I have to use a different book Since Alhamdulillah the Hanafi Madhab has a thousand books (laughs) So it's always other choices Alhamdulillah Alright so the aspiration is to learn the difference between good and evil as discussed in the previous chapter, then implement upon oneself even if there are occasions in which implementation falls short. So we already mentioned that. How did that all happen in that one sentence or two sentences? Anyways. Inclining towards pardoning and tenderness and avoiding the ignorant. So this is now uh, ed- etiquette, adab number two. Adab number two. I can't see any faces and there's no comments so I can't tell like if you guys can even hear me if you're present if you're not present okay Faisal's here alhamdulillah good to see you uh, let me check the list here okay okay all right okay all right okay all right they're here alhamdulillah everyone's here <laughs> okay just wondering if you're with me I went off into la la land and I wasn't sure if you were Traveling into the clouds with me or not Inclining towards pardoning and tenderness And avoiding the ignorant So the first one was uh, The first one was Holding oneself accountable Holding oneself accountable And the second is Inclining towards pardoning and tenderness And avoiding the ignorant Inclining towards pardoning and tenderness And avoiding the ignorant It is narrated in the books of Tafsir By Al-Baghawi and Al-Thalabi And Al-Aqam that Imam Ja'far as Sadiq, I'm not familiar with this Allah. Hmm, said Allah commanded his Prophet to have the most noble characteristics, and there is no ayah in the Quran which is more comprehensive regarding these noble characteristics than this ayah. Take the pardoning and en- enjoy the good and avoid the ignorant. Uh, uh I believe it is. Surah 7, 199. 7, 199. Take to pardoning and join the good and avoid the ignorant. That's very comprehensive actually. SubhanAllah. This short yet comprehensive verse gives three commands that comprise the basic guidelines for any who engage people who disagree with them with hostility. SubhanAllah. Nice Very nice When engaging individuals or organizations In which there are differences of opinion The first step is seeking to pardon them Or giving some benefit of the doubt While this may appear to be fruitless This step should be taken per the ayah of the Quran So even if you feel like it's fruitless You do it out of respect for the Quran The Quran told us to do it. Do this I'm going to do it anyways And there's a barakah in that by the way there's a barakah in that. There's a blessing in that. I'm going to do it because the Qur'an told me to do it. Sit, Even if I feel like it's going to be fruitless, I'm still going to pardon and I'm still going to give benefit of the doubt because Allah told me to. And that's it. Then I'll take it to the next step, whatever that might be. It was the opinion of Sayyid Abdul Qadir Jilani, Qaddis Allah Allah sanctify his spirit, relating to this ayah that take to pardoning means... Choose, O oh, most perfect of the messengers, the path of pardoning and leniency and leave being enraged and rough. Oof. Accepting that, in times of nonviolent confrontation, those on opposing sides are human beings that are fallible and have hearts and minds that can change is a critical first step when engaging disagreeable persons or leaders within institutions. Being generous in pardoning and giving the initial benefit of doubt are signs of strength. Not a display of weakness as is conventionally perceived in some political circles. There's a really important qaid there. There's a really important, I don't know how you say that in English, um, uh, condition kind of there. He said, in non-violent confrontation. So in non-violent confrontation, I have the opportunity to pardon the person, to give them the benefit of the doubt, to recognize their humanity. To know that their opinion can change So on and so forth If things get violent Then I might just need to defend myself And put a cease to the threat um, Before I can engage in such intellectualization You know, stopping the threat Becomes the primary issue then But even that and how we do it Is a whole nother discussion Just plug in here My five to ten minute rant About the importance of Jiu Jitsu I'm not going to do it again. Being generous and pardoning. A guiding Islamic principle pertaining to enjoining good and forbidding evil is that these are to be done without being harsh. God, someone help us and like make this a reality. Ya Rab. it is supposed to be done without being harsh. The worst man mentioned in the Quran is Fir'aun, a man who claimed divinity for himself and enslaved the children of Israel in an extremely cruel way. Nonetheless, with his crimes and cruelty being very apparent, Allah still commanded Musa and Harun السلام, to approach him and speak to him with kind words in order that he may remember or be fearful. So they're commanded to speak to Pharaoh with kind words. So that he can remember. And part of like the subtlety of the expression here is to indicate that if those kind words aren't used, he won't be able to take heed. And this is true, right? Like when someone comes at us super hard, our initial response generally is to double down. And if we double down, then we're not, not going to hear what's being said. So if the goal is guidance, if the goal is to help people to come back to God and what is right and what is true and so on and so forth, then the way to do that is to present it in a way that is lenient and kind. Um, and it doesn't mean that our stance can't be firm. Our stance can be firm while our expression can be inviting still and lenient and, and allowing, uh, other, giving other people a chance. They went to Fir'aun directly with these words, not going to the public first to make proclamations about him. Relating to this principle of moderation in tone when enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, Imam Abdullah ibn Aliwi al-Haddad, may Allah sanctify his spirit, said the following. Know that kindness and mildness and avoidance of heedlessness and harshness are a major basis regarding the acceptance of truth and compliance to it. Thus you are obligated in this for whom you enjoin good, forbid evil, or advise from the Muslims. So make excellent your diplomacy regarding that. So make excellent your diplomacy regarding that. So this is, again, similar to the point that I was just making. Imam al-Haddad's advice, which is also applicable... Uh, to dealing with those who are not Muslims conveys wisdom that persons are less likely to consider advice or recommendations when insulted or addressed in a harsh tone instead of being approached with mildness in speech and manner. Of course there will also remain persons who will find the gentleness in tone to be bitter reminiscent of the Prophet's advice to Abu Dhar Rifari, to speak a word of truth even if it is bitter. There will, however, always be individuals or leaders within organizations that will not agree to disagree. In fact, there are persons like Fir'aun who become more hard-hearted and belligerent even when approached with the most beautiful speech and manners. The point is not that it's always going to work. The point is that this is what I'm supposed to do. Okay, like This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm going to try to do. It works. It doesn't work. That's not the point. The point is that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in front of Allah. Uh Where did this go? There will li- okay. Allah Almighty says, "Do not argue with the people of the book except in the most beautiful manner, except with those who are wrongdoers among them." So like if you can if they're not straight up oppressing someone, speak to them in a good way. If they're like, you know, actively oppressing someone, there's you deal with every situ- extreme situations. With their uh, s- uh, appropriately, but in you know, in general, we, we can try to keep it softer. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Bear with me, we're almost done. We want to finish this chapter. Um, Al Jilani said in his tafsir of this ayah that the wrongdoers of Zalimin are those who act with ignorance and obstinance and lead from the way of intellect. Towards rebellion and enmity Allah also states The servants of the merciful redeemer Are those who walk upon the earth humbly And when the ignorant speak with contempt They say salam When people treat them bad They say salam and they go away Peace Such are those who are disengaged After repeating insolence Avoid the ignorant So uh, What was the verse in the beginning How was it translated? Take to pardoning enjoin the good And avoid the ignorant And avoid the ignorant What is most important in engaging those who disagree on issues or are in complete opposition is not necessarily if they accept the terms of campaigns, or much less are willing to sit down at the table to negotiate during tenseness. Success in all endeavors relates to holding on to one's correct beliefs and maintaining prophetic etiquettes because the aim is to please Allah. Shouting people down, spewing profanity, and compelling those to relinquish microphones when talking in the name of speaking one's truth are not means of achieving true success and bringing about healthy societal transformation. These are the goals. The goal is actual success with Allah and some sort of actual societal transformation. Success comes from Allah in following prophetic manners as stated in the Quran, and not equal our good deed and an evil deed. Repel an evil act with one that is better, and thereupon the one whom between you and him there is enmity will become as though he was your most devotedly protecting friend. وَلَا اِدْفَعْ بِالَّتِي هِيَ أَحْسَنُ فَإِذَا الَّذِي بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ عَدَاوَةٌ I think it is 25-63 verse 25 chapter 25 verse 63 Having an open heart and being respectful and challenging perceived wrongs could also lead to expanding one's horizons and causing some adjustments in opinions or methods. It also helps us We don't always have, like, we don't have a monopoly on the truth, right? Like, we believe what we believe, we think what we think, but oftentimes the applications, there's a lot of factors involved. And being able to discourse with one another, being able to engage with each other, develops our own opinions and ideas as well. Moreover, having pure intentions and using the best means rooted in a sound basis that is known at the time, uh, then placing... What am I saying? However, moreover... Having pure intentions and using the best means Rooted in a sound basis that is known at the time Then placing the results in the hands of Allah Who is ultimately in control over all things And outcomes are a means towards spiritual safety So having pure intentions Using the best means And turning the results to the, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Are things that are Means towards spiritual safety So having a good intention uh, Using the best means and putting the results in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That's good for our spiritual safety <coughs> Next time we start at Entering into Coalitions for Social Justice Should be interesting Entering into coalitions for social justice We'll begin there next time If you have any questions or comments or observations Or reflections More than happy to hear them Barakallahu feekum Title of the second adab Yes Inclining towards pardoning and tenderness and avoiding the ignorant Let me try to make it big Inclining towards pardoning and tenderness and avoiding the ignorant Rabbil It's a good book, nice read Very important This is what we need We need not only these really great things from our history But also uh, These kind of things that are very uh, Practical applications of them How can this course be taught on college campuses? Well, they could Of course, just watch the YouTube <laughs> Or You uh, I think it would be reasonable for Students to like get the book And read it together Do like a book club around it In the MSA Do a book club in the MSA um, Maybe have some sort of resource That they go to for. I mean MSAs Just like individuals Especially activists Should have people of knowledge That they go to MSAs should also have people of knowledge That they go to And um, you know They can consult them on this matter but they should uh, could I think it would be good to have a book club Around it to discuss it Engage with it And if we can help in any way Happy to And of course they can also watch the videos If they like Inshallah. But uh, yeah I think it would be really important For this to be dealt with On campuses You know Really important Bala Do you think it's appropriate for college students to host and lead a book club on a book like this? Meaning, are we qualified to talk about these things? Um, You know, I I tend towards uh, not putting too many limits on people. You know, I think especially college students are being exposed to so many ideas. And asked to think about them and engage with them and so on and so forth. And so we should be able to pick up books on Islamic studies and think about them and engage them. And work through them and everything else. Might you come to some conclusions that are a little bit off? Maybe. But usually through talking to each other about it. uh, There's a corrective process in the consultation. Which is actually one of the etiquettes, right? So there's a corrective process in studying it together. And again... uh, you know if the principle is this the principle is anyone who's serious about their deen any organization that is trying to do something for islam should have some connection to living scholars uh, preferably plural who can answer questions for them provide guidance for them uh, be a, means be a source that they can engage with and if they do that then they're going to be okay they can read they can read all kinds of things some of them are going to be totally off some of the, i mean like some of the books in here quite frankly, are garbage. Like, I wouldn't tell an av- average person to read them. But you should still read them. <laughs> like, maybe average person meaning someone who doesn't know anything. But if someone is, like, attending the Mejlis, for example, and they say, what do you think? Someone told me I should read this book. What do you think? Say, well, if you want to read it, read it. Here's the things that I would be concerned with. And tell me what you think. But, like, in the end, we have to be able to engage. We have to be able to engage. We have to learn. We have to think. We have to talk about these things and I think that the book is pretty straightforward Um, you know people yeah of course like when I'm reading it I'm going to add certain things and I'm going to make some notes here and there and hopefully add a little bit of nuance or another layer to the conversation or whatever it might be but I think that students can still do it and again of course they can also uh, listen to these recordings along with it and ask questions We're always here, alhamdulillah. That's why we do public work, is to be able to answer questions and engage with people and so on. So uh, I think that it's reasonable. I don't think that students should sit and read like a really concise aqidah text by themselves, for example, without any background in aqidah. I don't think that they should sit down and read fiqh by themselves, unless they have some sort of background in fiqh. Um, I don't think that they should read like Hadith books that deal with the evidences in the hadith that are used for rulings And come to their own conclusions And that kind of stuff, no But stuff like this that deals with General issues of the community And the public welfare And ideas You know, Muslim thought I think that students should definitely engage Muslim thought. And when it comes to the hard sciences, you know, get teachers and study the hard sciences and as you build some sort of foundation in them, then you're able to read in those too. You know, that's the goal in the end, is that you that the person acquires a more and more reliable ability to read and study for themselves. They'll never be free from scholars who are more senior than them. But as they go along The student goes along their journey They have less and less uh, Hand-holding necessary In that way I hope that makes sense I think that's a really This is a really, really important issue You know, this one here Draw- Kind of like <coughs> uh, Doing that That's why some of these texts like Some of these things that we teach They're more instructional Some of these things that we teach They're more like We should be conversing about this as a community And that's why, you know, I wish um, Inshallah when we're able to meet again But, you know, present some things, we talk about them Ask questions, engage, push back These aren't like um, You know Like if someone's telling you the position of the Hanafi Madhab Either they're expert in the Hanafi Madhab or they're not and there's not really any position. There's not like any pushback on it. You can't be like, well, the other school says this. It's like great, fine. The other school says that, but I'm telling you what the Hanafi school says. It's not really a, It's not really something of public discourse. But how we're going to engage with the issues of our time and what does it mean to be a Muslim in the West and all of these kind of things. These are public discourse issues. And you know, like educated, concerned. By educated I don't mean mean necessarily That people went to college But people who like read and study uh, Educated Muslims People who are concerned about the affairs of the Muslims We should be able to engage these things Allahu a'adam Anything else? Any other questions? Or comments? Or reflections? Or complaints? Or... Requests? No? Alhamdulillah Okay. Muhammad. Please, uh, now that I turned the